normal Wednesday night, um, we're, we're try to look at Psalm 118 next next week. But um, if you have your Bibles, I want to turn to First John chapter five. First John chapter five. And and I want to think tonight uh, about um, the blessing of being able to um, to know the blessing of being able to know some things. Um, I wasn't here on Sunday, but uh, I know that just like whenever I heard the news, when you heard the news of the test results from Sister Darlene, it was a heavy thing. Uh, We are thankful that the Lord answers prayers and that the Lord is continuing to answer prayers and we're we're, we're confident that, that He will continue to be faithful in those things. But at the same time, we 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 also live in a world full of heaviness, uh, full of difficulties, uh, and sometimes it can be hard just to know what we know. By that, I just mean sometimes it can be hard to know if we know anything. Uh, And one of the blessings of Scripture, one of the blessings of what it means to be called out of darkness and into light one of the, some of the anchors that we have been given by God is the fact that we know some things. There are some things that we don't. Plenty of things that we don't. But there are some things that have been given to us and revealed to us that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know. And so I want to talk about five of those things briefly tonight. The text I want to start out with is 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. It says, and, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. John begins this verse by saying, we know that the Son of God has come. Do you know that this evening? Do you know in your heart of hearts that the Son of God left glory and came in the incarnation to dwell among men, humbled Himself, became nothing, gave Himself up for us on the cross, Do you know that tonight? We know that the Son of God 
is come. You know, I said it already, we live in a world full of heaviness. That heaviness exists within the walls of this church, without the walls of this church. Seems like the last several months, particularly the last couple of weeks, even leading up to the last couple of days, I've just heard about one heavy scenario after the next. Um, Suffering that's a result of sin and then suffering that's just the result of living in a sin-cursed world where things like disease and sickness and things like that happen. Sometimes it can begin to pile up and just get so heavy that you uh, you wonder, what can I do with any of this? How, how can I walk through, or maybe even help someone walk through? Brother Robert mentioned in his prayer, which is certainly a, a burden of my heart, how can we serve not just within the walls, how can we minister to not just within the walls, but outside of the walls of the church? And, you know, if we're not careful, we'll think way too pragmatic. And we'll begin to think that things are very important that are probably not as important as we think they are. And we'll think that things are not as important, not such a big deal, that God thinks are the biggest deal the world's ever seen. Do you know that His Son has come? That's a big deal. That's not a small thing. Do you know, or has God given you an understanding to know Him who is true? Brothers and sisters, if that is the case, then we have everything we need to walk through anything that we find ourselves in. Do we know that we are in Him that is true? Even in His Son, Jesus? That's a big knowledge. By that, I'm not, I, by that, what I mean is that's a big deal. That's huge. And so, I want to think tonight again about some things we can know. The blessing of having some things settled in our minds, settled in our hearts, as we think through navigating just an unsettled world. So point number one comes from Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-two. And these kind of work as can work like anchors for us. Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-two. It says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth 
and travaileth in pain together until now. We know that the whole creation travails. It's in birthing pains and it groans. This is what we know, number one. We know that we live in a world that is groaning under the weight of sin and suffering. We live in a world where it is impossible that we could get to a time of prayer requests and there are no needs to be mentioned. That's not a reality in the world that we live in. Now, we might decide to withhold that, but we live in a world full of needs. We live in a world full of groaning. We live in a world full of trials. We live in a world full of difficulties that can just knock the wind out of us at times. First Peter chapter four, verse 12, Peter's encouraging those who he's writing to. He's saying, don't don't be surprised at the fiery trial that you're about to face. Don't be surprised by that. Well, you know, it can be difficult to not get caught off guard at times. I mean, God has not given us a blow-by-blow detailed timeline of what's going to happen when in our lives. But one of the things that can be settling from a truth like Romans 8.22, knowing that this is the kind of world that we live in, is that when we get news that we weren't expecting or hoping we wouldn't get, when we see friends and loved ones go through tragedies, when our own hearts are crushed under the weight of the suffering that we see, this is the world that we live in, and the other side is, this is the world that Christ is redeeming right now. there are still things left to be redeemed. And there are still purposes left to be accomplished. And while we are looking forward to the day where there are no more tears, that's not today. And that's not because God's bad or slow or any of those other things. It's because God's not yet finished accomplishing the purposes that He has in redemption. We know that we live in a world that is groaning under the weight of sin and suffering. Secondly, Look in Romans chapter 7, and as we progressively go, hopefully these will build on each other. Romans 
Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, Paul says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Really, what I'm after is that first part. Paul says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. What does that mean? Well, it means that in a, in a world that is groaning under the weight of sin and suffering, you cannot look to yourself for help and for answers. You cannot, you cannot look to self-sufficiency or you cannot revert to self-sufficiency. You know, we, we, we live in, in a world where the masses are trying to undo the reality that we just mentioned at a Romans 8.22, a world full of sin and suffering. You could, you could get rid of all the wars that are going on right now, and we still live in a world full of sin and suffering. You could get rid of all the political chaos. We still live in a world full of sin and suffering. You could get rid of all the perceived social injustices, and we still live in a world full of sin and suffering. And the answer to that doesn't come from within me. And it doesn't come from within you. And, you know, I think that part of this reality of we know that in me dwells no good thing, part of it does lead us to I can't live in self-sufficiency. I can't just dig in my bootstraps and, 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 and or pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and, and move forward in my own strength. Um, but the other part of this, as far as we know we cannot look to ourselves, um, it does point to, uh, you know, where, where do we look? When we talk about looking, that's really just a synonym for trusting. Where do I place my trust? Where do I place my hope? Who do I listen to? Where do I take my cues? You know, Jeremiah 17. We go here fairly often. Jeremiah 17, at least allude to it. Verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Cursed, he says, is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. Now that phrase, makes flesh his arm, just means he makes, he makes the arm of flesh his strength, his hope, his trust. You know, we, we function this way every time we turn aside from God and seek to find our hope, 
our comfort, our peace, our wisdom in any area that is outside of His Word. Outside of seeking Him. Okay, so we can know this. We know we live in a world that's groaning under the weight of sin and suffering. There's no doubt about that. We know that we know that we know that's the case. Number two, we also know, and we need to be reminded of this, but we know that we know that we know the answer is not in ourselves. In me dwells no good thing. In my flesh, there dwells no good thing. Number three, out of First John chapter five. First John chapter five. Verse 14, 1 John 5, verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. Now, here's something that we've seen in the Psalms again and again and again. But if we know that we can't look inward, if we know that in ourselves dwells no good thing, the next thing that we need to fix our mind and our hearts on is this reality that we know that God hears us when we cry. When we come to Him through His Son asking anything according to His will, we can be confident of this. He hears us. He hears us. Psalm 116. We were, we were there a couple of weeks ago. Mentioned this briefly. Psalm 116 verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplication, because He hath inclined His ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon Him as long as I live. Here the psalmist is saying, is expressing, I love God. I love the Lord. And one of the reasons why I am moved to express this love for God is because He heard my voice and my supplication. When I spoke, when I cried out, I wasn't just going through a meaningless exercise. This wasn't just some sort of a religious formality where I tried to convince myself that someone was on the other side listening. No, God heard me. He inclined His ear to me. And because He did that, I will call upon Him as long as I live. Psalm 34 would back that up. Another individual, the same experience. 
Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Whatever else you may or may not know, the follower of Jesus Christ can rest assured when you cry out, God hears. You have the same access that this man in, that David had in Psalm 34 when he says, This poor man cried, and when he cried, the Lord heard, he saved. Now, the other part of Psalm 34 moves away from this personal experience, and David begins to talk in principles. These are true principles about who God is. And you think about Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open under their cry. Okay, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. It just means he's attentive. Okay, You're not out of his outside of his sight. He's watching you. He's caring for you. He's concerned over you and his ears are open when you cry. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and he delivers them out of all their troubles. Again, this is a principle about who God is, about how God relates. And so again, when the righteous cry, the Lord hears. Brothers and sisters, we find ourselves Time and time again, I mean, this is just our reality. It's the reality we live in. We're not always aware of it, but the reality is we live in a world that's groaning under the weight of sin and suffering, and we are not sufficient in and of ourselves, and we find ourselves in over our heads time and time and time again. And when we're there, we can cry out to God, and we can know that He hears So we can know that God hears us when we cry. Number four, out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, Second Timothy chapter 1, uh, Verse 12, it kind of breaks in in an odd place, but you'll, you'll get where I'm going. Second Timothy chapter one, verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Number four. We know we can trust God. Okay, we know that. We know we can trust God. He says in this passage, I am not ashamed of my faith. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I've put my trust in the Lord. 
I'm not ashamed of the fact that as I've been appointed as a preacher, as apostle, a, a, a teacher to the Gentiles, I'm not ashamed of the message that I'm preaching, even though I suffer because of it. Why? Because he says, I know whom I have believed. This goes back really to our first point. That's not saying I know all the facts. That's saying I know the person that I'm trusting. I know him. I know him. This is an experiential walk with him. And he's saying, you can't convince me otherwise because I have a personal firsthand knowledge of who it is that I've believed, that I've trusted. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. Well, what was it that Paul had committed to him? Himself, his soul. He's he's I'm persuaded he's able to keep that. I can trust him with that. Until that day. So we know we know that we can trust God. Psalm nine. Psalm 9, verse 10 says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, O Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Reminds us of the passage that assures us that Jesus Christ will never leave us or forsake us, doesn't it? Those who know your name, that is, those who know you, know your character, who like Paul are persuaded that you can keep that which they've committed, they will trust in you and you will not forsake them. Brothers and sisters, there's a whole lot in this world you may not know. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can know this for sure. You will never be forsaken by God. He will always hear you. He will always be attentive to you. He will always draw near to you in your time of need. We can trust at a Psalm 46 1 that God is a refuge for His people, a present help in time of need. You, we can know that. That's, that's not up for debate. We can know that that's the case. We can know out of Isaiah 43, verses 1-2, through two, that when we walk through the floods, when we walk through the fires, when we walk through the difficulties, He will be with us. He's with us. We can know that. That's not up for debate. We may not always sense the comfort of His presence, but we can know He's with us. He's with us here right now. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we can know that He has spoken and we can trust what He said. He's, he's spoken to us so that we might know 
And then last, I mean, we could continue to list things off here, but under this category of trusting God, things we can know about God, out of Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, we can know that God is bringing beauty from ashes. We can know that. That's, that's not up for debate. We know this is really uh, brought into New Testament uh, terms. We know at a Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that God is working all things together for good for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. That's just a New Testament way of reiterating Isaiah 61, 1-3. through Paul was confident in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, he said, uh, talking about his imprisonment and the prayers of the saints, he said, I know that this will turn to my salvation. What's he saying? He's saying that I know I can trust that God is going to use this and God has a purpose in this for me and for my salvation, for my for my ultimate conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. I know there's a good purpose in this difficulty. So we know that we live in a world that is groaning under the weight of sin. We know we cannot look to ourselves. We know that God hears us when we cry. We know that we can trust God. And then look in 1 John chapter 3. First uh, John chapter three, verse two. Well, verse one, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's a lot that we don't know, but brothers and sisters, we know how the story ends for every single believer in Jesus Christ. We know the end of the story. We know that one day when He appears, that we will be like Him. And that we will see Him as He is. What does that mean? Well, it means a couple of things whenever we think about knowing this. The first thing that it means at least the first aspect that I want to highlight out of Romans 8, 38 and 39, where Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know how the story ends 
And the way that the story ends is that we are kept securely in the love of God through Christ Jesus throughout the duration of our time. Okay? We will never be separated from the love of God in Christ. The second reality of us knowing. So, so, so reality number one, as far as we know how the story ends. For those who are in Christ, who are following Christ, um, you make it all the way to the finish line. Nothing separates you from the love of God. Secondly, out of Revelation 21, Revelation 21, verse 1, John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. And He said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, I will give unto him that is a thirst the fountain of wa- of the water of life freely. Now we could keep going, but this is what I want to zero in on here. We know how the story ends for every believer in Jesus Christ, for every child of God. We know how it ends. And it ends with face-to-face fellowship with God in an eternity where we are satisfied in Him and with Him as we behold His glory forever. No more tears. No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. I mean, can you imagine? I know this is not the first time you've ever heard this verse read, but imagine a world where these things are absent. You know what he's saying? He's saying that one day, what we know. is that the reality of Romans 8.22 that we started with will no longer be a reality. One day we will not live in a world that is groaning under the weight of sin and suffering. That day hasn't come yet, but brothers and sisters, it's coming. It's coming. And our hope is informed by that and our endurance is fueled by that as we look by faith 
to what we've been given that goes all the way back to where we started when we say, we know that the Son of God has come. And we know that we are in Him. And if we know that, we know enough to get us through. And so in the midst of a sin-cursed world full of grief and suffering, our hearts can be anchored by what we know without a shadow of a doubt from Scripture. And so my prayer is that this would minister to your heart and soul and mine as well. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank You that You've spoken and that You have given us things that we can know. We have not exhausted that tonight. There are plenty of other things that we can know. But Lord, what a blessing it is to be able to plant our feet on a firm foundation to be able to place our heart, commit ourselves, our souls um, to a God who is trustworthy, to God who loves us, who's redeeming us, and again, who has given us things that we can know for sure. Father, I pray You would strengthen our faith tonight. I pray You would strengthen our hope tonight and that You would apply these truths um, to our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.